Well, after having seen the suffering of the civilian population in northern Uganda, I'm uh, appalled, frankly. It's a moral outrage to see thousands of children that have been abducted, that are maltreated, that are going through the most horrendous uh, torture by the rebel movement, and also the same groups now being neglected to some extent by the whole international community. I cannot find any other part of the world having an emergency on the scale of Uganda with so little international attention. And it's J-S-O-N-R-U-S-S-E-L-L. -S -S have I ever traveled before? Yeah, I have. I've traveled to Africa once before, to Kenya. Nairobi, Kenya. Bobby? Yeah. It's blinking. I don't think there's any tape left. It's blinking red. <laughs> Number one, Bobby Bailey. That's B-O-B-B-Y. My name is Jason Russell. And um, have you ever traveled before and where? No, I've never traveled before anywhere significant outside the States besides Mexico. Like Laren, I know that he hasn't even really gotten out of the country very much either. It's so awkward here. It's seriously awkward. Media shapes the way we view our life. What you see in magazines, what you see on the TV screen, what you see in the movie theater is what you know about life. So in a sense, media is life. So we are naive kids that haven't traveled a lot and we are going to Sudan. I really, um, I think it will be fun. I do. I'm not about fun as much as saying like deep, rich, meaning. Bobby is Bobby. We all put up these walls and these boundaries. So media is... It, it defines our life, so it is obvious choice to three kids who want to tell the, to find the truth. I don't know, I mean, how fare thee well? Well, I'm not dating anyone. I don't have a girlfriend. But I really feel like it's going to be a rude awakening for Bobby and for Laren. It's got to be an adventure. In the spring of 2003, I went to Africa with my friend Laren and my friend Bobby. Bobby, so bright. Are you scared? What the hell is going on? Why? Why so bright, you guys? Seriously. Jeez. We didn't go with any organization, and we didn't have money, so we sent out these letters asking for support. We proceeded to buy our cameras and equipment off of eBay, got many shots, and then we set up our camera, thinking that if we didn't make it back from Sudan alive, this is how we'd be remembered. We never thought anyone would actually see the footage. Do I think I'll die? Do you think I will die? Do I think I will die? Hopefully that we won't die, but hopefully we will. What am I most afraid of? I'm afraid of dying. I'm afraid of...
people seeing this movie and <clears throat> maybe thinking differently of me because I'm still the same person that they've always known. We left the day the war in Iraq started. President Bush told us not to travel. To disarm the Iraqi regime. But we got on the plane anyway. None of us knew what we were doing. We'd never made a documentary before. We just opened our lens wide and tried to capture any stories along our way to Sudan. It is on. We arrived in Kenya and immediately started documenting a woman named Mama Sephora, who single-handedly started an orphanage called Haruma. She has over 100 children. She invited us to one of the Sunday services without informing us that it's customary in Africa for guests to introduce themselves. Most children at Haruma were there because the AIDS epidemic had killed their parents. They slept four to a bed and were often fed just once a day. But when they danced, they really danced. We left Kenya and headed to the country we had set out to explore and conquer, Sudan. We came to this country as naive travelers, but we were determined to face the danger head on and leave as warriors. After a treacherous journey, we finally arrived in Sudan, on top of the Nuba Mountains. And with it came a shocking 130 degree heat. And right from the start, we could tell this was not the adventure we had expected. There wasn't much to do. He's trying to get like the, the most depressing shot ever. So we blew up a termite hill. I know what they got coming. Oh! <laughs> Fought off a huge snake. Do you feel it in pulling? <gasps> there you go. And threw up a lot. <coughs> Although there were many signs of war in Sudan, this wasn't our story. We were a little disappointed, thinking we'd come home without any footage except for us killing a huge snake. Go! <laughs> Most of the southern Sudanese fled the country to live as refugees in northern Uganda. So we decided to go to Uganda and meet up with a lady named Jolie. Jolie soon became our African mother and taught us a lot of things. 
like how to open a bottle with our teeth and how to cut off a chicken's head. We were still in search of our story, so we asked Jolie, being nine months pregnant, mm -hmm. if she would drive us to Sudanese refugee camps in northern Uganda. She did, and we got to interview many Sudanese people who had traveled thousands of miles on foot to live in the bushes. Which are not adequate. Most every refugee we met was extremely discouraged and had obviously been affected by the war in Sudan. We could tell that a lot of aid had come from America, but still, most of them didn't have enough medicine, food, or even clothes. All of them wanted our address so they could come live in the United States. I want to After three days of refugee camps, we started heading back to the city. What just happened? She's not staying here. No. She's afraid that they're going to. Yeah, yeah, they're going to. Why, why, what? What's up? Jolie started driving 100 miles an hour because a rebel group, the Lord's Resistance Army, or LRA, shot up a truck in front of us. They killed two people. Thankfully, we made it into the city and started asking questions. Yeah, what has happened back there? Okay, those who had the rebel who shot the, that vehicle. The LRA? Where? What do you mean shot? They used their gun to shoot them. Was there anyone After the shooting, we were forced to stay in the town of Gulu overnight. Gulu is home to the Acholi tribe. Many Ugandans simply call it Acholi land. That night, Jolie started telling us about these children who live in Gulu and commute to the town to sleep in the streets every night. Oh, they don't sleep in hotels, they sleep in verandas. In the veranda, in the bus park. She said we should go document them. And so we did. We arrived at a bus park to the sound of kids. Thousands and thousands of kids. Without an adult in sight except for a guy with an AK-47 strapped to his back. Needless to say, we found our story. images of starving children with pot bellies and with flies and snot on their face is really not what America wants to see, which is good because it kind of gets people uncomfortable because that you have to really address why you're uncomfortable, you know? If you see that and you're uncomfortable, well, ask yourself why. hospital we were staying at, we found this group of boys living underneath us in a dark corridor. At night, they would sneak away from the large crowds of kids and sleep there, even when the ground was soaking wet. Can I watch? 
And how many days a week does it rain? So you study every night here like this? Yes. You do your homework? Yeah. You share your homework? Yes. But you don't cheat? No. No. Yeah. Well, we used to go and eat mangoes in the in the forest like that without fearing the rebels. Because in a day we cannot fear, but in a night we can fear. At night we can fear those rebels. Yes. Or oh, for meals I fear to sleep at home. His name is Ojok Robinson. Jack Robinson? Yeah. Is he as good friend like Tony to you? Yeah. He was my best friend, like Tony, which I don't know where he is now. Maybe he's dead or alive, I don't know. No. When you were abducted? Yeah. He was we were, with you? Yeah, we were abducted with him. When I think of him, sometimes I can even cry. But nowadays, I cannot cry. Because if I feel of him, my heart will only be beeping like this, like this. So instead of crying, my heart will just keep on beeping like that. And if my heart is beeping, I should not, I should stop thinking about him. Bonnie, would you want to go and visit America? Yes, I want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why? Because maybe staying there is so nice as I see in the, in the movies, like mm -hmm. that, in the video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's your favorite music to listen to? My favorite music is uh, the one from Topak. Topak. Maybe he's still alive. Maybe he. Who do you who do you think he might be even? Uh, because maybe he's uh, Jarul. <laughs> <laughs> that Tupac's Jarul. Yeah. So if this light wasn't on. Mm, it's not very deep. This light was not on. That's how much light you have? couldn't understand why these kids would wake themselves up before dawn every morning. They were under no obligation from a parent or a teacher requiring them to do so. But as they pumped water to wash their faces, we realized these kids were more than mere friends. They had become a family. The first night at the bus park, we met and interviewed a kid named Jacob, but had to stop because a drunk armed guard threatened us. 
We later met up with Jacob and his brother, Thomas. We wondered if Jacob knew Jolie because he too could open a bottle with his teeth. We learned that six months ago, Jacob and Thomas had escaped from the LRA rebels who took them to the desert, or what they call the bush, and were now being hunted by name. They slept at the bus park at night, but during the day they hid from the rebels in this small room. They told us many things about how the rebels treat the abducted children. We noticed a stark contrast in emotions between the children in America and the children in Gulu. The children here never cry. But they don't know what is in your heart. You see? For me, mm. my heart is that I'm going to escape. I'm going to escape. We were three. Our, our big brother, he killed him. He killed him. They killed for me, I want you to be loyal. No money. I don't have money to pay my school to so that I don't. to understand this war, the more complicated it became. The complication begins with how many children are abducted and what usually happens to them once they are taken by the rebels. When they get to the bush, the first few things they are taught to do is to kill. And that is it. Is to kill, go and harass somebody, you know, like killing using a, a knife, you know, beating, shooting, whatever. That is all they do. Nobody joins that, that fighting force voluntarily. They conscript people into the, the rebel ranks. They come, abduct children. They are seeking out children who are going to be the most moldable and the most to brainwash essentially into being a soldier and in that regard the child of, of 8 to 14 years is the perfect candidate it, it is awful if I tell you that when they come to attack you can even wonder that these are children but these are fighters they are fighting they're brutal they are brutal they have been trained they know how to fight they have been brainwashed they can kill they can do awful things many children have been killed in front of in front of their eyes they are being told the moment you try to escape we shall also kill you the same way we have killed this one so now when we send you to work you must make sure you go and kill 20 20 kill packet kill water to you brutally murdered both other abductees there's a lot of horror pushed into these children that they even fear to escape instead of being tortured and killed like the other one who tried to escape rather remain in the river and thousands and thousands of people oh 50,000 people have been abducted since but many are not counted on the statistics because they get abducted in the villages we don't have them on 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 statistics but you just see abduction what is taking place here 
really is very grave, except the world doesn't know. It's extremely grave. God is saying that he wants to give peace to the Chole, but he's killing the Chole. As far as we knew up to this point, there's a man named Joseph in the jungle of northern Uganda. And his desire over the past 17 years is to overthrow the government. But with the people growing weary of war, Joseph has resorted to kidnapping children in order to continue his war of madness. Children from 5 to 12 are his prime victims because they're big enough to carry guns but small enough to sneak into schools to steal more children. Once in the jungle, Joseph immediately desensitizes them through violent indoctrination. Because of this, each night they hide from him and his child soldiers.
because a, a sai kill in Israel all the news all over the world, but an actually kill whether by the government who are quiet. Mm. Are we not human beings? Within a period of only three months, 640 civilians were killed. 2,000 civilians were abducted. What other standards are you required to be considered a, a terrorist or not? Since September 11, you see how thing it hit the people, and yeah, we fell it. The question of life is for all, regardless of color. 800,000 people displaced out of 1,800,000 are in the camps, displaced camps. By putting us in the camps, we are animals, animals in the zoo. I would suggest the U.S. government talk, let us say, please talk peace, mm. not arms. We need to handle the problem of the children. Pressuring the U.S. government to pressure the Ugandan government to bring an end to this conflict. Bring peace in this region, and we really pray good that uh, they help us. So this is our appeal to the government of America. It surprises us why the world is not coming so strong on this. Because child soldiers have been condemned all over. But you see we have seen you are suffering. I saw what? We put so what? You see our suffering. Here we are. You put back nothing you say. Life is a gift to God. If it is a gift, be protected, defended, promoted. Even I, even I don't have even blanket, but the Gusko gave us. This is only my clothes, mm. and the then Gusko. this also. The but they was it was given by Gusko also. We don't have anything to, to do, do with food. Maybe if we eat once a day, once a day, once a day. So it is better when you kill us. And if if possible, you can kill us. You kill us. For us, we don't want now to stay. We are only two, no one taking care of us. We are not going to school. So You how would rather we... die than stay on Earth. Yes. Uh, now, even now. Even now. On the last night we spent with Jacob and Thomas, they started talking about their brother who was murdered by the rebels. We asked Jacob what he would say if his brother was still here. I will tell you that. I love you, but now I miss you. So it is better when we meet we are going even if we are not going to meet but we, are, we we may meet in heaven you see so it is better i will not talk much i will start something because if i saw my brother once again i don't
people are just resilient now to the situation. And they bear it patiently. They have nowhere to go now. 17 years is elapsing. You see, one learns to have resilience. What I have seen is that the children are incredibly resilient. You know, it's funny because you come in from the outside and you see the situation saying, Oh my word, this is so terrible, this is awful. And yet the children are running around, they're laughing, they're playing. For them it almost seems that it's some sort of big adventure. Though there are some, some very serious challenges that they face and some very grave consequences that could come as a result of this problem. Many nights, the children sing praises to God simply because they made it safely to the shelter. Praising the prayers, the spirituals, the worship, you know, praising to God, the resurrection itself is also seen as hope for life after death. But most important is that we, we really appeal to people who have a heart for children. The children in Northern Uganda are the same children. They're the same human beings in U.S., in Britain, everywhere. They're the same children. They're all human beings, created in the same image of God. Unless the whole nation rallies with one voice, peace for this country and peace in every corner of this country, we can't make headway easily. Because the longer this war goes, the worse it is. Because now we have reached a level where people are now desperate. Despite the fact that these children live each day in a completely desperate situation, without an end to this war in sight, they somehow, someway, find hope. They choose joy. And that is what Africa is about. That is why I return, and will continue to for as long as my life will allow. There is a mind-numbing hurt and fear in Africa, while at the same time an unexplainable freedom and strength that shall forever inspire any who are chosen to go there. We will never forget the first night we saw the kids sleeping at the bus park. It changed our lives forever. We looked at one another and said, this would never happen in America. We state this to people and they honestly respond by saying, that's Africa, you can't compare the two worlds. We want to know why. Coming from a culture where the youth are exceptionally valued, we never realized there could be so many children that could go unseen, that so many beautiful faces could be invisible.
that pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Um, Now that we know the message, we have a responsibility to act. I know Alex showed this to uh, Caleb's small group, a bunch of 10, 11-year-old boys, and they've been raising money so that they can uh, give to invisible children. I think they've raised enough that they're going to buy a bracelet. I know Ann Sokolowski, her, uh, what she asked for for Valentine's Day was one of these bracelets. And so she has her bracelet on. She didn't want to go out to eat. She wanted to give the money to invisible children. And what we're going to do is we're going to take up an offering today. And you may not have come prepared to give. That's all right. You can give later and we'll make sure that it gets there. But one of the things we do here, we're real sensitive about money. And we have a basket at the back. And when our, our uh, church members, they come, they, they know to put their money, their tithes in the in the uh, joy basket is what we call it. But today, I just feel like we have got to do something. And so we're going to actually pass the basket. We've got a bigger basket. We're not going to pass the little basket. We normally take things up. We've got a bigger basket that we're just going to pass around. And, um, you know, God just kind of... Uh, I made 30 extra bucks the other night uh, doing a little job that, that we do. And I feel like that I'm supposed to give that. Uh, because it's not going to hurt me. We are so stinking rich. We are the richest country in the world. And we have a place to sleep tonight. My children, two of my children were, well, one of them was up here and, and another one has seen part of this. And I was just thinking about Caleb, my 11-year-old. Um, he has a warm place to sleep at night. You know, we have, we have propane heaters going to heat up. We are so rich um, that we've got to do something about this situation. So... I don't know where the basket is. You got it back there? Is it already started around? We're just going to pass it. And um, I'm just going to ask you to give whatever God lays on your heart. And then I want to ask you to be creative. Um, I think we ought to do the, the Global Night community. I'd gone on the website to, to just look at several different things. And, um, and I noticed that there's, I don't even know how many Global Night communities. They've already done some, right? Or at least some hosted some parties. And I noticed there was a party in, in uh, uh, Los Angeles or somewhere in the California area that had about 90 people. There's another party that had about four people in Texas somewhere. It's just getting together and letting people know about this story. And I think we ought to plan a, uh, a um, global night. And I want somebody out here, if God's laid that on your heart, I want you to be the volunteer who will step up and say, I'll coordinate it. I'll, I'll get together with invisible children. I'll do whatever we need to do to publicize it. And, uh, and get the word out. I know another church in town, um, First Baptist Church, is planning to do something. Uh, some way they're going to promote invisible children. I don't know if they're just going to show the video or what. Um, but I, t- I heard their youth minister is doing something about that as well. So um, if God lays that on your heart, come see me after church today. Let's just pray. And um, if you have any questions, they have a table set up over here. They've got hats. They've got T-shirts. They have the bracelets. Um, Several different things, and, and the team will be over there to uh, answer any questions that you have. We have uh, Class 301. We'll start in about 15 or 20 minutes. The pizza will be here if you're signed up for Class 301. If you've taken 101 or 201, that's Discovering Church Membership and uh, Discovering Spiritual Maturity, then you are eligible to take Class 301. If you haven't, that's all right. Next month, we're going to start the cycle again. We'll have 
class 101 next month, class 201 the month after that, and class 301 the month after that. So you can get caught up. Um, but today, class 301 is about discovering your spiritual gifts. And we're talking about God gives you every Christian a spiritual gift so that you can make a difference in the world. It doesn't take a spiritual gift to give some of your money. All that takes is a willing heart. So let's just pray and, and feel free to, to talk to them as long as you want to. Feel free to spend as much money over there as you want to spend. Give as much money as God lays on your heart. Thank you all for coming and thank you for giving of your time to make a difference in the world. Father, I just want to thank you for um, this morning. I thank you for the crowd who, who came on a, uh, on a cold February morning to... Uh, to be educated about some junk that's going on in the world that we can make a difference in. God, I thank You for Jacob sharing his story and, and moving my heart. And I just pray, God, that, that we will never be the same because of this. And I pray that we will never forget. And I pray that, that God, You will raise up some people from New Life Community Church, not only to organize a global night, but... God, I pray that there would be people in this room that would go and visit Uganda. And they would become our personal missionaries to go. That we would raise money for them to send them. And that, God, they would come back and give us reports and that we would never forget. And if we do nothing else in this world, we'd make a difference in some children's lives. Father, I just pray that Your power would come upon us and that You would do things that would last for eternity through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Has the basket made it all the way around? Back there? Okay. Yeah, we'll put it at the table if you want to make any other contributions. Thanks for being here. You're dismissed.